You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this episode of Mission Possible, How Everyday Ordinary Christians Become World Changers. And that's what God does. In this episode, we're going to look at culture in a number of different ways. And in the next episode, episode 12, we will look at the way that we can change ourselves and the church into what we would call a kingdom culture, because we always suffer from kingdom culture drift. The church always has among human beings, and it always will, unless we go back to that biblical culture of the kingdom. I want to begin today in this episode 11 by sharing with you a story that was in the newspaper a while ago. Three-year-old Katie was taken to her pediatrician during a recent bout with the flu. As the doctor examined her ears, he asked, what kind of surprise will I find As I look in your ear, will I find Big Bird in here? Apprehensively, Katie replied, no. Then, before examining examining her throat, he asked, will I find Cookie Monster in here? Again, she said no. Finally, listening to her heart, he asked, will I find Barney in here? With innocent conviction, she looked him directly in the eye and said, No, Jesus is in my heart, and Barney is on my underwear. (laughs) Well, let's talk about making disciples and redeeming the culture, because that's what Jesus does among his people. And what does it take to reach non-Christians? Let's talk about focus. So many churches do way too much, involved in way too many things, many activities, many programs that don't make disciples the primary purpose of the church. And what all this activity does is exhaust church leaders and members. You know, Jesus displayed great focus. In Matthew 16, 21, he said, I must go to Jerusalem. And we know there were serious consequences to that commitment. I love the story about focusing on the wrong things. There once was a little town that was situated in a valley below a big dam. And one day the dam broke and the town flooded. There was about six feet of water everywhere. The people were on their roofs waiting to be rescued, and a rescue team came in boats. As they came up to one house, they saw people on the roof and made their way toward them. But as they did, they noticed the top of a person's head in the water, walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in front of the house. Just the top of the head was sticking above the water. So they asked the people on the roof of the house, Who is that down there 
And how can we rescue him? The people on the housetop replied, Don't bother trying to rescue him. That's Uncle Henry. He got up this morning and said he was going to cut the grass come hell or high water. (laughs) Of course, Uncle Henry was involved in an exercise of futility. Somebody needed to tell Uncle Henry that the dam broke. That is a story about church. And churches that are mission irrelevant. All around. Everywhere. People are drowning in sin without Jesus. So, the New Testament talks about disciples, which refers to discipline. Defining clear mission and mission objectives with strategic, well-defined actions includes the discipline to say no to all sorts of activities and ideas that don't reach the objective and purpose of the Great Commission. So, I have a formula for you. It goes like this. Focus plus discipline equals momentum for Great Commission mission to make disciples of all people. So, I want to encourage you, don't think about quick-fix programs. I'm reminded of a church, a great church, really a good church. Uh, Every year, they buy backpacks for children in an inner-city school. And so everybody in the church goes out and buys a backpack for these children in underprivileged situations. And they pile them up and they dump them at a school in the inner city. A good idea, but that's all they do. No relationship building, nothing like Jesus in the flesh, which is relational. It's a feel-good mission activity for the church, but no relational platform. Well, the good news about Jesus works best in a high-touch environment, and that ought to be obvious. Church targets a focused long-term commitment. I want to share with you a true story a wonderful story about a church in the Portland, Oregon area and their commitment to an inner city school. This inner city school had a graduation rate of 20%. And this large mission-minded church from the suburbs wanted to help. But they wanted to help for Jesus specifically. And you see, it's all about relationships. So here's how it went. The first relationship was between the pastor who met with the principal. Right away, the principal came back with a challenge. Church and state issues. We can't have a church coming around here. Well, the pastor persisted. And finally, the principal said, well, you can paint one hallway of the school 
that might help brighten up things around this dilapidated structure. So, some people from the church came and painted one hallway. Well, the principal was impressed, and he said, well, maybe you could paint another one. So, it ended up that they painted the entire school and added landscaping. It looked like a new place. Basic principle number two. Number one is relationships. Number two, among unchurched people, you have to earn the right to be heard in a secular society. So, we know that Jesus healed people. That got their attention. Soon, he had crowds gathered, and he shared about the kingdom of God. That leads us to principle number three. Watch for receptivity. Become a student of receptivity. Let me tell you a little bit about my neighbor, Mike. Mike is a very different culture than anybody else in our general area. We live out in the country. All the people on our road are very different than Mike and his family. You can tell just by driving by. And some of my neighbors, honestly, simply write him off and his family. Well, we befriended him mainly because we're Christians and we love everybody. And so we became friends with Mike and his wife, Janice. Yes, we wanted to tell them about Jesus, but first we had to build a relationship. And we did. And then Janice came down with brain cancer. And our family and some other friends in our neighborhood just surrounded them with support. In a little while, he allowed us to pray for her. Weeks later, he actually began to show appreciation for the prayer. Janice shared a renewed faith, gave a great testimony. Mike just listened. Well, I want to share with you as I record this podcast that Janice died just a little while ago, a month before her 67th birthday. And today, this very day, earlier, Mike called to ask if we could come to his house next Sunday for a celebration of life with his family. And on the phone, he said, it means so much that one time when you met with Janet and me, you shared and she nodded, Jesus is in her heart. Honestly, it was a miracle. Sometimes it takes a long time to develop receptivity. Okay, back to the school in Portland. The principal became open to even more help. 
after all the painting and fixing up of the school. And he subordinated his objectives to the church and state issues. No longer did he object. The people from the church started to offer remedial reading lessons after school for the students. Finally, they were beginning to develop relational progress. Now they had a relationship with the school principal as well as some of the unchurched students and teachers. Some women from the church offered etiquette and self-esteem classes for the girls after school. That leads us to principle number four, meeting the needs behind the surface symptoms. You see, there are always symptoms like sin or like unbelief, and then there are the issues behind the issues. In principle number four, there's a great story about this school and its football team. The, uh, the football team had not won a game in years. And when they would play home games, the visiting teams would have over a 1,000 people in the stands, and there were five or six people on the side of the school in the inner city. On the football team was a young man, a junior running back, and he was very gifted at football. But he was always late for practice. Well, in the church, the one in the suburbs, there was a retired NFL quarterback, and he offered to help coach the team. And when he noticed that this very talented running back was always late for practice, he decided to have a sit-down talk with him. And what he discovered was that this young man was a single parent of a three-year-old girl. He had no car, no car seat, so he needed to borrow both to get his daughter each day from daycare to the babysitters after school, and then he came to football practice. And the NFL coach realized, you know what? I'm here for a lot more than winning football games. Yet, as the story continues, the team of this high school began winning games. One day, and this touches my heart, the people from the suburban church, 1,200 of them, bought sweatshirts with the name and emblem of that high school in the inner city. And they showed up at a football game. It was fascinating. The crowd was mostly white for an all-black school, but it made an enormous impact and showed support. Principle number five, meeting the ultimate need. And every person who ever lived has the ultimate need of receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So now the church from the suburbs started Bible studies, outreach witnessing, meeting with the families, all in the context of genuine relationships. They had earned the right to be heard. Principle number six, God does a miracle, revolutionary transformation. The principle actually asked the church if they could put an office inside this public school. <laughs> What's the point? The point is, how hard are you willing to work, to focus, to exercise discipline? Discipline with the clear goal of discipling. That story comes from a great book called Discipling Nations by Darrell Miller. Wonderful story. But there's more. Principle number seven. Define your target for outreach. Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, Go make disciples of all nations. But that's not exactly what it says in the Bible. The word nations is deceiving. Because in truth, in the original Greek, the words are patata ethne. Go make disciples of patata ethne. And you can almost hear the Greek transliterated ethne, ethnics. And that's probably best translated as make disciples of each people group. A group of people who self-define affinity with one another because every people group is unite, unique and therefore outreach to any people group must be tailored to that uniqueness of that people group. And the high school in Portland in the inner city had a well-defined people group. It was African-American, it was inner city, it was students and families connected to a failing school, it was academic needs, there was long-term career challenges to obtain an education, there were self-esteem needs as the, for the school and for the students and for the teachers, and the principal and teaching staff were terribly stretched in time, energy, and resources. That brings us to principle number eight. Discover those who are in extreme need. You see, Mike hasn't been very receptive. My neighbor, Mike, has never been very receptive to hearing anything, even though he knew I was a believer. I made that clear. Even though... He was clearly aware that I don't use the same language that he uses. But that didn't matter. He needs Jesus. And I often said to our family, privately, it may take a major issue to come up in their family before there will be receptivity. And that's what happened. I'm sad to say my friend Mike lost his wife, a dear lady. Here's the point. Meet a need, build relationships, and share Jesus Christ. 
When you look at the harvest that Jesus calls us to go into, go into the harvest and make disciples, people in extreme need are the low-hanging fruit, the easiest to reach for the harvest. So here's the antithesis. Jesus' teaching is this. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 19.24 Why? Because the rich man has no perception of some known need. Now, there's a challenge because we live in a materialistic society. And that materialism provides false security. And so there is some value when there is a recession or a pandemic or political gridlock or conflict or riots or death of a loved one. They all get everyone's attention. So as you think about this personally, and as you think about it for your church, consider these principles. They're all biblical, and they are all taught to missionaries And we are all missionaries. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, in the same way I send you. And that word send is the word mission. He could have said, as the Father sent me on a mission, I send you on the same mission. So to be like Jesus is to be on mission in mission, to be a missionary. Now, you may not be a missionary that goes to some other culture in your own community. You may be a person who is not called to go to a faraway place where the culture is really different and maybe a different language. But as a Christian, you and I are And all of us are called to be missionaries to those with whom we have contact in everyday life. If you look at the directory on your phone, you will see those who are low-hanging fruit because you likely have some relationship with them. Some you have a closer relationship. Some have you have a farther away relationship, but you have a relationship. So I have a close relationship that I've developed with Mike because he's my neighbor and he's not a Christian. And even though he's moving that way now, When I first met him, it was very clear there was no interest in faith in Jesus. Jesus was part of a curse sentence that he would use. 
And so he is closer to me than someone, let's say, at the place where I go to get new tires. And I only see those people when I need new tires. And I may know their first name, mainly because it's printed on their shirt. But I don't have a real close relationship with those people, although I try to be as positive and be a good representative of the king of the universe as I can. But they're a little bit farther away. So here's my point. Look at those people that are in your social network, friends, relatives, neighbors, people where you work or go to school. Those are people that are probably in your phone directory. And they represent your first and closest mission field. And so, do you pray for them? When you connect with them, whether it be email or whether it be on the phone or whether it be at a luncheon or somewhere else, are you conscious that you might be the best person God has selected to reach out to them? Well, the challenge is that most churches really aren't equipped well to help the people become mission-minded. And so this podcast is directed to help people who are ready and willing and want to be all that God has called them to be in this world to help them learn some really basic mission principles that work, that are taught to people who we professionally call missionaries, those that go far away overseas to different cultures, to different lands. And so as you think about that, in our next episode, we're going to look at how this works for us when we gather together and call ourselves church. Because the atmosphere of a church influences the effectiveness of our outreach. And if you study the church over history, when it started in Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, and then the Mediterranean world, and then Europe, and then other continents, when you study that, you see a pattern. The church flourishes. There's great zeal. Sometimes the movement of Christianity needs a reformation, which happened a few hundred years ago in Europe. And right after that, there was a huge ingathering of many people who were formerly unchurched, or they were just going through the motions in churches that basically had lost the vision for mission. There was a rekindling of that mission, and it spread from one denomination to another, and then another, and another. And there was a great 
sending movement to other countries, a great missionary movement overseas from there. But then after a while, it began to taper off. And just by attrition, there, there was a decline of that mission teaching, mission zeal, and generation after generation of people who worship at churches became turned inward and became busy with efforts that don't reach lost people. That then leads to a plateau and a decline in churches, a decline of people in churches. And what happens is Christianity begins to fail the nation where those people, where those churches are located. And this cycle continues over and over again. Ask yourself, where is the country where you live? How important is it for us to go back to those biblical principles of mission? It's why Jesus came. It's why he died. It's how he developed his disciples. It's his challenge to you. In episode 12, we'll take a look at this issue of how we change and how we change our churches. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Restoring Civility, Lessons from the Master, available at Amazon.com.